You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone else is craving Froyo. But there's something for everyone on DoorDash. Continuing supporting restaurants in your community safely, there are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities we operate in safe. So, right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code ADVANTAGE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code ADVANTAGE. Don't forget, that's code ADVANTAGE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage, starting off yet another week in the world of NHL hockey and helping us get this off on the right foot on a Monday morning, Kevin Weeks. And we were joking before, Kevin, oh, I hope Kevin can bring it today. I don't know, you know, sometimes you lack for energy. I'm just kidding. That never happens. It's always so good to catch up with you. How are you doing, my friend? I'm great, man. Thank you so much for having me, SB. I really appreciate it. Yeah, all is well. And- uh, hopefully the same for you and yours on your end. Yeah, no, it's been great and uh, lots of hockey to talk about, both in the Edmonton bubble and some stuff going on around it. And actually, you know what, I, I'd like to uh, to start off the week talking to you about uh, an, um, a program that you are involved in um, and we've been sort of uh, caught up on it here at Two Man Advantage, so I hope you'll you'll bear with me. Uh, sure but a whole series of committees and and groups announced by the NHL and the NHLPA. Uh, God, it's got to be a week or a week and a half ago. Uh, basically, addressing issues of inclusivity, racism in the game, how you truly make the game for everyone. I know that's a catchphrase, um, and it, and. For me, when I when the announcement came out, the interesting part for me was when I started to look at who was involved in the various committees that, you know, that the league had established, and there's owners and business people, all kinds. And you were on the player inclusion committee, Kevin, and I. I thought that was, to me, I think that's a critical part of this. Uh, you're on with some former players, Anson Carter, who's the co-chair, uh, Jamal Myers, Al Montoya, Scott Gomez, yourself, former players, and then a bunch of. Current players, a number of female players who are involved in the game, either as professionals still playing uh, the game or in uh, other avenues. You know, Blake Bolden, uh, who's an AHL scout and uh, inclusion specialist with the LA Kings. It's a really interesting group, and I know that's a long, meandering way of getting to it. But I wonder what, when it, when it first came to you, hey, Kevin, we'd like you to be part of this you know, what was your thought and maybe what's your sense of, of, of how important this player inclusion committee is going to be? Well, I would say this. I mean, initially when it first, uh, when it was first tabled, you know, I was, I was very intent on listening to, to what they had to say in, in terms of kind of the scope of, of the committee itself, what the actual critical mission was and what those critical steps on that mission would look like. 
So I was very patient because, you know, I'm a really action solution oriented person. You know, I'm, I, I believe in rolling up my sleeves and listening and, and being in, in the soup, so to speak, quite often. So I just wanted to really hear what they had to say and what they tabled. And I think the biggest thing for me is that uh, internally at the NHL level, it seems like, as you just outlined, we have a lot of different stakeholders from different, from a different perspective, even though the, our committee specifically is made up of president, former uh, players, as you mentioned, men and women that have had different experiences in the game. So I thought that was very important to get that kind of mosaic. And then also, too, you know, I wanted to know that we were really hungry uh, as a league and as a sport to go forward and to take our game to the next level. And doing that, we howledge you know, where we can be better. So I don't think it's any different than being a player. Uh, and being a player, you look at areas where, okay, this is my strength. I really excel at this. I'm very adept at that. Or, ooh, I'm getting beat blocker side here routinely. Like, this is an area as a goalie anyway. This is an area I better, I better improve. Otherwise, on the score sheet, um, you know, Doug Wade or Brett Hall or Shanahan or Paul Correa, whoever it is, is going to come down and make sure. Uh, that they exploit that type of uh, vulnerability or weakness. So that was kind of my approach to this. And as we go forward, you know, I'm looking at the concrete action plan and the steps and in, uh, in this endeavor to continue this uh, this journey of making our game better and making it more inclusive to everybody on every level. Kevin, I, I just think when I, I look at, uh, you know, all the different committees and all the different people that are involved, and it's an extensive list, you know, from grassroots on up to NHL ownership, which is great and which is important. But I think if you're a cynic or a skeptic, you wonder, I don't know, I see all these committees. I mean, how does it how does that translate into meaningful change or things that we can actually see in our game? And I wonder if if there's something about this structure or from your perspective that you think, yeah, I think I think this I think we will see things, but but you do have to have some patience. Or I wonder what your your take is on all that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I totally understand what you're saying because I per, I firsthand personally know what it's like to, you know, to to be involved at a grassroots level with with these kids and, you know, their parents and and know the difference that it can make, you know. I know that from literally hundreds of thousands of dollars out of my own pocket back in Toronto, back in you know, we're talking 10 to 15 years ago and being a part of that with my grassroots program. And, you know, from that program, I know the difference that it had on a Trevor Daly or um, Devontae Smith-Pelly, Wayne Simmons, Joel Ward. I mean, there's north of 10 kids that came to my program that played in the league and, and so many more that didn't end up playing in the league, but had at least through that an opportunity to to see that somebody cared about them. Um, somebody was able to uh, speak to them and, and speak to their parents and, and help give them some, I wouldn't even say guiding light, but just some real pathway forward for them to to understand how to navigate the game and to enjoy the game and to aspire to maybe play or ref or coach or GM or yeah. uh, whatever the case may be. You know, there's a lot of those, a few of those players, excuse me, that, that went on to be NHL All-Stars, some of them that went on to be Stanley Cup champs. And, and for them, you know, it could have been a very different experience if, uh, if I wasn't able to, to, and to connect with them. So uh, from a league standpoint, the league and certainly the clubs have way more resources than I do <laughs> to be able to allocate to, uh, to be able to allocate to this. And the fact that the league seems, uh, seems 
through these committees and also the fact that um, the teams are as well, that goes a long way going forward. So uh, I, I want to see meaningful action and meaningful change as we continue to chart a course going forward. Yeah, I'm with you, my friend. Uh, all right, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to come back, and we are going to talk Western Conference Final. So don't wow. go away. Kevin, I know it's exciting. That's it, No one should I go now. Kevin, we should go. be right back. Let's go. We'll be right back in a brief moment. I love my high student loan payment, said no one ever. So you should check to see if refinancing with Ernest could help you lower your monthly payments. Checking takes just two minutes. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Ernest. Plus, there's no origination fee or any other fees. Plus, the internet loves Ernest's customer service. They're rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. So, you can now get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Ernest.com slash Two man. Once again, you get $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at earnest.com slash two man. It's not available in all states. Visit earnest.com slash two man for more details. Terms and AMP conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations LLC NMLS. Number 1204917, California Financing Law License Number 6054788, 303 2nd Street, Suite 401N, San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. I got to tell you, Kevin, I, I've been I've been so enamored with this Western Conference final, the ebbs and flows and it and I it really has not unfolded anyway uh, in the in the manner I thought it might. And, and tonight on Monday evening, we could have our first Stanley Cup finalist with Dallas up three one in that series against the Vegas Golden Knights. I wonder what your what your perspective is on it. Whether you are surprised with where we're at right now, and what you, what what you what you think lies ahead for this series. Are we are we going to see a finalist maybe by the end of the evening? Good question. I mean, as far as this this series goes, if I was looking at this coming in, uh, I would have thought that that. Vegas would have actually been up and this would have been reversed and Vegas would be in a position. The reason why I say that is their team is deeper than their team from their inaugural season that went to the Stanley Cup final in Vegas. Clearly, you know, they're deeper in the net. They're deeper on the blue line uh, and and they're a four-line team. Not to suggest that they weren't before in their inaugural year three years ago, but I just feel like that's a stacked lineup. I really do. And also they're a team that that's physical too, especially that fourth line. You can make a case that that Ryan Reeves line, their fourth line, and or the Islanders' fourth line with Martin Sezikis when he's healthy and Clutterbuck are the two best fourth lines in the NHL to the point to where their respective coaches can play them against almost anybody and, and feel comfortable. And I mean that against any opposing third, fourth, second, first line in certain instances. So um, I, I thought that coming into this series, I thought Vegas would have been in a in a more comfortable position. But I have to tell you regarding Dallas – they found their game in the nick of time against Calgary. And and overall, just when even when series looked to be 
I don't even want to say tenuous for them, but when it looked like they could be on the ropes, they were able to rediscover their form at the right time. They've been timely. And what a story for Anton Kudobin. I mean, honestly, like Ben Bishop is their number one goalie. We knew that. We know that. But for Anton Kudobin, a guy that's played in, I believe, five different leagues over the years uh, as a Russian goalie that played in the WHL, which is, you know, odd and amazing in and of itself. He came to Canada to play Western Junior Hockey and then over 200 games in the American League, KHL, different organizations. I mean, he's played in so many different spots. This is an amazing accomplishment for him. Uh, it's also a testament as to why you can't write people off. And unfortunately, so many people in our business are quick to brand people um, and, and not, all, not always in a way that's positive. And Anton Kudobin a testament to perseverance, persistence, and just working your, your butt off and, and being a great teammate and being committed to the craft. And the Dallas Stars and Anton Kudobin's career, because he's a pending unrestricted free agent, uh, are all the better for it. So congrats to them and where they are right now. And, you know, for a lot of the listeners too, and, and guys, I know you know this, how about uh, how about Rick Bonus? Yeah. I mean, behind the bench more than any coach in NHL history, over 2,000 games behind the bench, and just one of the classiest people you'll find, one of the nicest people. Uh, and, and I love that he's old school, new school, because he's been around through five different decades in this league behind the bench. And, and he's evolved as well. Uh, to be able to relate to these contemporary players right now. So nothing but love and praise for him right now. And I, I actually do see them uh, winning this series now. I'm not sure that they end up wrapping it up now and going and winning this 4-1, but I certainly see them winning this series now at the way it stands. Yeah, it, and you're absolutely right on on both Anton Hudobin and, and Rick Bonus. I mean, two key figures in this. I'm curious what you make of – and maybe, uh, I don't know whether you see this or whether it's just me. When, when I see Hudobin, I see a little Tim Thomas in him. I don't know if you feel the yeah. same way, but just sort of that, you know, he's not a stylistically um, perfect goaltender. He's not the prototypical, you know, six foot five uh, like Andre Vasilevsky. Um, but it, it, his pure joy at playing the game, my sense of it is that it's he's it's so contagious for that team. I watched him the other night. Uh, Essa Lindell blocked a shot, and he was laboring to get off uh, at a stoppage and play, and he's, Hudobin's out there pushing his butt toward the bench. I mean, I, how could you not want to play for a guy like that? Exactly. Yeah, you're, you're so spot on with that. I mean, he's... It's funny, Jameson Coyle with us on the NHL Network, our, our lead host, said that yesterday too to, to me. He goes, Beeksy, this guy kind of reminds me of Tim Thomas a little bit. I'm like, yeah, he totally does. And and I said the Boston Bruins had uh, had Kudobin too, and he was really good for them. But, yeah, he does. He battles. Um, he isn't prototypical by today's standards in terms of what's what a technical goalie looks like, and he doesn't have the size of a prototypical goalie either. But what he does is he battles in the net. He's flexible. Um, he he competes on pucks. The so-called perceived lack of size doesn't seem to impede his ability to make saves in traffic or through traffic. He's very aggressive when he can be in terms of his positioning. You know, I, I had a chance, SB, and you know, being at the Winter Classic at uh, at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas and being around that group and, and seeing those guys and, and seeing Dallas on the practice day, the Stars, and uh, and seeing Anton Kudobin, he just got a chance to see his character and how funny he is, and uh, some of his good quirk quirkiness that he has that you know really is uh, is something that resonates with his teammates. And plus, he'll you know he'd stay out on the ice, 
He'll do anything. And I talked to Jeff Reese, Reeser, good buddy Reeser, who I had as our goalie coach in Tampa during my day and, uh, and now doing an amazing job with Dallas as their goalie coach. And I remember talking to him there. I said, you know, we see we're really fortunate. Obviously, we have Bish, we have Ben Bishop, and we have Anton, but it takes two goalies in this league. It, it really it takes two goalies in this league if you want to win. And you, you mentioned Tampa, and you're right. That's a unique situation that he's that Vasilevsky is such a stud and his size and his power, and he can play as often as he does. Although Curtis McElhaney during the regular season played very well for them, I might point out. But um, just seeing Anton Kudobin up close and his interaction with his teammates, you could tell how much guys love playing for him. You could see how much they enjoy being around him and also how much they respect him and his game. So, <clears throat> pardon me, if there's a takeaway for a lot of the listeners here, I guess, number one, if you are a fellow goalie, it's it's important to for your teammates to respect you and for them to, in a sense, like you and really want to play in front of you. Those things go a long way. And when you're not playing, you can add value. And, you know, it's it's easy to sit there with a with a long lip and a furry mustache and a ball hat cocked off to the side. But, you know, you got to find a way to contribute, even if you're not playing in the net in said game, as tough as that can be sometimes. And I'll tell you guys this quickly. Uh, there was a quote from Anton Kudobin, and I don't want to fish it up because I don't want to mess up our feed here. But <laughs> it was last week when he said, if I'm not playing, I practice. I'm paraphrasing. He's like, I'm going to practice hard. I'm going to do this for the boys. I'm going to talk to the boys on the bench. I'm going to go and get orange juice if I have to. I'm going to do whatever I have to to help the guys. I mean, that right there is – that attitude is exactly one that everybody should have to some extent – and whether, you know, the sun's shining on you as a number one, as a 1A, as a 1B, as a quote-unquote backup. But that's the type of mentality that you need to have. And when you have that mentality, more often than not, your teammates will, you know, skate from here to the Sahara Desert for you. All right, before we leave the Western Conference Final and and, and Hudobin, I'm curious because, as you alluded to, Kevin, he's, he's coming to the end of his contract, so he could be a UFA. The goalie mm-hmm. market is awash in high-end goaltending talent. We know Robin Leonard. We know Braden Holtby, Thomas Grice, uh, Jacob Markstrom, on, on down the list. And I think you, you look at this and, and, you know, Hudobin's one win from taking his team to the Stanley Cup final and you think, okay, he's going to get paid. But, again, he's 34 years old. Stylistically, he doesn't, you know, check all the boxes. But I wonder if those intangibles that you were just mentioning, does that balance out if you're a GM looking for goaltending? You say, you know what, I- I'm going to take a chance because I want that guy in my room. Or do you think there will be people who will go, you know what, what a great story and what a great run, but I'm not sure I want to commit time and or term and dollar for a guy who who may be that unorthodox. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's a fair question, and, and that'll be a part of the uh, decision-making rationale for uh, any general managers around the league. I mean, including Dallas, including Jim Nill and Dallas, but you know, the good thing for Jim Nill and Dallas is he knows Anton and, and Anton knows them, right? So that's it's been proven to be mutually beneficial and a great fit on both sides. But I love that you asked that question because, you know, I always talk about perception versus performance. And, you know, a good buddy of mine back home, Patrick Husbands, is arguably the best jockey in Canada and has been for a long time at Woodbine. I think he's won the Sovereign as the Jockey of the Year seven times. And, you know, I've been to the backstretch with him at certain mornings at Woodbine and, some horses, as you'll say, some horses look great in the morning. <laughs> they look awesome. 
<laughs> and then I get on the racetrack and, you know, it's a, it's a Saturday afternoon at Woodbine and it's a stakes race and the horse just doesn't really want to run or they'll be inconsistent, you know, that type thing. So that's the perception. You know, he looks the part. They look the part. She looks the part in the net. You're like, okay, ticks all those kind of boxes. But once the pucks start flying, <laughs> that you know, once the first that slap shot comes toward your head as a goalie, then you're going to know. And to <laughs> me, this is a guy in Anton that's battle-tested. Yeah. He really is. So, you know, I, I love the fact that he competes as hard as he does. You know that he's a max effort guy. And I love your, your, uh, your comparable to Tim Thomas, who never left you wanting more in terms of compete and battle. Maybe in terms of some of the refinement and, uh, and, and, you know, some of the sheen, if you will. But, hey, listen, guys, here's the way I'll put it to you, SB, and you're going to like this. I don't know if you ever go to a sizzle house or do you go to a steakhouse? Now, me, I prefer steakhouses. Yeah, now, once that ribeye, right? Once that ribeye is there with Cajun seasonings on it, or as blackened as they say, and I don't know, maybe a little blue cheese butter or something, I know that I've got myself a steak and I got my ribeye. I don't, the sizzle is just the accessory at that point. But the opposite, if I just go there and they're like, hey, we can give you some really good drippings and we can, it'll be piping hot. It'll be sizzling and crackling on the plate. We're going to bring out these, uh, we're, we're going to bring out this sizzle. There's not going to be any steak though, but there's going to be some sizzle. And if you want that, that's okay. <laughs> you know, I've never been that guy. So uh, I love the way that you frame the question. I think a lot of it then in Anton Kudobin, it's all steak and, and not as much sizzle um, from a contemporary standpoint. But boy, oh boy, you know what you're getting when you get him. That's for sure. I'm a firm believer in that. I always like, you know what? I love that analogy. It's made me hungry, but I, and I, I know that we're always getting the steak with you. All right, we're going to take one more break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk Eastern Conference Finals. So don't go away. Kevin Weeks on fire this morning. I knew that we were going to get off to a good start, but uh, don't go away. We'll be right back with Kevin Weeks. Hey, this is Craig Custance with The Athletic. My family has, I, I would say, a healthy obsession with water and water bottles. And we all have our own personal, like, giant thing of water that we carry around. My daughter has a, you know, one of those daily planners, and it has check marks for how much water they're drinking. Because we know when you don't get enough water and you're dehydrated, you feel lethargic, you don't feel good. It makes a big difference in your day. And with Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. We're big fans of Liquid IV in our family. When you drink Liquid IV, you have more energetic workouts, you sleep better, but it's better for your immunity, which is super important right now. You just have more energy. So Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Uh, Kevin, you uh, we alluded briefly to Andre Vasilevsky and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, that team is absolutely cooking now, right? They just, you know, they get Braden Point and Alice Kalorn back in the lineup in Game 4, and, um, you know, they are now up 3-1 in their Eastern Conference Final. It just looks to me like Tampa... You know, it just they they definitely have the eye on the prize, and uh, this is no disrespect to Barry Trotz and the New York Islanders, but it feels to me like the Isles have just they just they've they've 
run out of runway when it comes to, to this playoff run. And I, I wonder what your feeling is. I know it's unwise to count anyone out in this playoff year especially, but it does look like Tampa really just is – they're just operating in a completely different level than the Islanders are right now. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I would agree with that. I mean, you know, we'll start with Tampa. My big thing with Tampa and where I wasn't sold on them before in certain areas in terms of a real four-line attack, in terms of being on point defensively, and then, of course, being hard to play against. Now, all those things have been answered now. And Julian Brisebois hasn't gotten enough credit publicly. I don't know why. Um, obviously, Steve Eisman constructed the core of that team and deserves a world of credit for getting the franchise where it is today. And since his departure, Brisebois has uh, done a really, really, I don't even want to say competent, I want to say excellent job in adding some of the dimensions that they didn't have. And if you're going to ask me what some of those are, and you look at uh, Blake Coleman right off the top uh, from, from the Devils here, played his college hockey for my good buddy from back home, Enrico Blasi at Miami of Ohio, who was the then coach who had nothing but great things to say about Blake Coleman. I can make a case this year. I know it was an awful year for the Devils and a really down year for them, but Blake Coleman for me was their best player, hands down. So adding him with his speed, his physicality, kind of sandpaper that he brings to the table, adding Barclay Goudreau, adding Luke Shen, who's added depth and toughness on the back end. Same thing with Zach Bogosian, who might be playing the best hockey of his career too. And lastly, but not lastly, and to bring you inside this one, Patty Maroon. Yep. You know, I'm going to keep some of this private with Patty and I, but you know, for a long time, since he came with Anaheim, I've been a Patty Maroon guy. And, and for a guy to leave St. Louis, Missouri, to come all the way to the OHL and go play in London, uh, that, that told me a lot about his commitment in himself as a player. It's been a long road for him. And at times he's played really well. And at times he's played well and you know, he's on the top line in Anaheim. Next thing you know, they pull him off the top line in Anaheim. You know, he, he's had some ups and downs. But I got to tell you, man, him winning the Stanley Cup, which brings me to this last year with uh, with the St. Louis Blues, Army Doug Armstrong's done an incredible job. Him and Chief Ruby and those guys there. But I got to tell you, a misstep for me was not bringing Patty Maroon back to St. Louis. Uh, I'm telling you. And I talked to Patty in July last year. I talked to him in August when he had no deal. I was talking to him, and I'll keep our conversations private. But I was like, Big Rig, you can keep playing. You like somebody has to sign you. Don't worry about TV. It's like, don't worry about what we're doing. Go and win another cup. You can play another three, four years in this league if you continue to stay committed to your conditioning and stay healthy. And it's wild. What's wild about that, guys, and the reason why I tell that story is same thing. Free agency hits. Some teams are like, well, I don't know. He's not the fastest. I don't know. He's not the most explosive with his speed. Uh, skating. Cheat. Did you watch him in the playoffs last year? <laughs> <laughs> here's what I do know. He's got a Stanley Cup ring that's maybe the size of your head. And uh, he was able to do that with his teammates in his hometown of St. Louis. He's a guy that's very well respected. I can't believe why teams – anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But I will give uh, Julian Brisebois and, of course, Coach Cooper a lot of credit because he knows him from the St. Louis area. He's coached him before. And this Tampa team to me now is certainly um, – they're certainly further along and they're more well-rounded as opposed to just being a high-end, glitzy offensive team. They now have different dimensions with their toughness and their ability to uh, to defend as well. So they're harder to play against right now for me. Yeah. Hence, they're up 3-1. I love the way they're playing. 
Well, it, it, you mentioned John Cooper, and I think it's an interesting part of this that maybe, and I'm, I agree with you on Julian Brisebois, the work he did in assembling this roster and addressing some of the shortcomings after last year. But for me, I was really curious to watch John Cooper, right? He's under the gun, obviously, mm-hmm. after getting swept by Columbus. Um, they have the, the you know, they have a, a good regular season, but everything, of course, is, is dependent on how they play in the playoffs. And he's, you know, going with the extra defenseman. I thought the way he's, um, you know, Zach Bogosian, what a great story. Uh, Luke Shen, I think, has been uh, an interesting part of how John Cooper has deployed his defensive alignment. You know, he missed Ryan mm-hmm. McDonough for a couple of games. He's without Braden Point for a game. Kalorn, he's got guys coming in and out. I, I just think John Cooper's done a really nice job um, of managing a very good team. But, uh, you know, it's easy just when a team's that good and really humming along, you're like, oh, well, Kevin, you or I could coach that team. I don't think it's that simple. And I think John Cooper's done a really nice job in keeping his team laser-focused in the most difficult and unusual circumstances. And I, I don't know if you see that or not. I totally do. You know, I mean, I, I was tracking Coop for a long time. And I'll tell you guys this, man. I remember Chaser, Kelly Chase, who's beloved in St. Louis for obvious reason, is you know, St. Louis loves their alumni and probably they have the strongest, one of the strongest alumni in the league. And Chaser was telling me years ago when he used to work with us on the NHL Network, like, we see, keep an eye out for my boy Coop. Keep an eye out for my boy Coop. Keep an eye out. I'm telling you, this guy's a coach, man. I'm telling you. I'm like, all right. So Chaser gave me the heads up. And I remember doing a sit down with Coop his first year when he came aboard with Tampa. Um, they were up in Toronto playing the Leafs and I did a sit down with him for NHL.com. And I was really, really impressed with his calm his personality, his intellect, and the fact that he was really refreshing and he was, uh, while he respected the traditions of the game, he was very contemporary. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't know he played college lacrosse on Long Island at Hofstra. You know, he, he worked on Long Island. He worked Long Island. He worked down in uh, Wall Street. You know, he's had a long run and he coached youth hockey in, in Detroit, I believe. Then he coached youth hockey in St. Louis and, you know, driving a bus of players, uh, then Texarkana, Texas, as you know, and, and all the rest of it, it's been such an odyssey. And it's really amazing to see what it's uh, – he's won at every level, right? East Coast League, NHL, all those other feeder leagues, American League. And uh, sorry, now he's just – he's trying to win at the NHL level as far as the Stanley Cup. That's the only thing left for him. So as far as the 11-7, and seven, I think it's – again, same thing. It's innovative, 11-4, 7-D. And I, I know for Coop – and seeing him around and, and, and speaking to him at different NHL events on the calendar and stuff, uh, he too has realized that. And it's been for years now too, uh, Scotty. And you'd know he's he's been saying like, guys, defense wins defense wins championships. Like we can light up the scoreboard, but we got to learn to defend. And to their credit, they've done that. And to their credit, they have played harder. And he's done a really good job, to your point, of managing the roster with who's available. Like consider Steven, your captain, Steven Stamkos is out. And – I mean, I just looked up today and being on NHL.com, Braden Point and Kucherov are in and around where my man Brad Richards was in terms of production. Their Stanley Cup win in 04 against Calgary. And you know, Richie was a con Smythe that year. They still have they still have the finishing of this round and then the entire Stanley Cup final to go. Like that's wild. <laughs> that's wild when you think about it, you know? So you no, know, I think Coop's done an amazing job. Uh, and the whole coaching staff. I want to highlight somebody on that staff too. 
that doesn't get enough attention. And I, I like mentioning them on the NHL network for good reason. Their goalie coach, France Jean. Yep. Um, France has had, in the last seven years, he's had five Vesna Trophy finalists. He had Ben Bishop two years, and he's had Vasilevsky these last three, including this year. And we know Vasilevsky was a reigning Vesna Trophy winner from last year. So uh, France has done an amazing job at the goalie position as well. And uh, I just think that they're a first-class organization. Mr. Vinnick has done an incredible job with them too. So uh, I'm, I'm, really, uh, I'm really impressed by what Coop and them have done. No question about it. All right. We're just about out of time here, Kevin. Uh, but before I let you go, I, I'm, I'm curious about your name, of course, uh, prominent when it comes to analysis, NHL Network, uh, of course, uh, the diversity uh, issues and, and uh, participation that we talked about earlier. But your name has also come mm -hmm. up uh, for some of the vacant uh, NHL management positions around the league. And without putting you on the spot, but I, I wonder what the process has been like for you and maybe maybe what you've learned now that, you know, you're at this sort of level and, and this point in your career where um, people call you and you have an opportunity to discuss these kinds of openings. What have you learned? What that process has been like? Inform us, my friend. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I would say this. I mean, I'll qualify it by saying, and you know this, you guys probably, and Punchy, your great producer knows this, that I love, I love media. Like I really love TV. I love it. I, I love any form of multimedia as we're on here now and it's, you know, Monday morning and, and we're, we could do this for another three and a half hours and it would, <laughs> I'd, I'd be just as pumped uh, at hour three and a half as I would, as I am now, I think. So that's one thing I'm, I'm doing what I love doing uh, as we speak currently. And if anything, you know, I'm also open to, uh, to expanding the media stuff that I do as far as potential roles on, on a front office level. Look, as a player, I, I went. I was on one team that got to a cup final in 02 with our, our great Carolina team uh, with our run, but never won a cup. You know, and every year as a broadcaster since I've started, uh, I've earned the right to call the Stanley Cup final and to work the Stanley Cup final. And but and it's an amazing honor and I love it. But there's no winning. You know, so my feeling of winning is that of hey, we're there with our crew and we want to do an amazing job for the fans and the viewers, listeners, and the players on the broadcast side, but you don't get to spray the champagne. You get to talk about people spraying the champagne. <laughs> yeah. And, and one thing for me, since I was a young kid growing up in Toronto, I was always a fan of the sport and fan of the players and fan of athletes, but I never stopped at being a fan. You know, I wanted to be inside the TV. I wanted to be inside the rink. I wanted to be there. So that part of me uh, never left. And all that to say what I've learned through, um, through this process is, unequivocally, you know, I listen to the people, I'll frame it to you this way. I listen to the people and I've learned a lot from some of the people that I've played from, namely Lou Lamorello, the great Lou Lamorello, been to five cups, just named GM of the year again, hyper attention to detail, which is the way I'm wired. Um, leave no stone unturned, all about the craft. Again, all stake, not really worried about the sizzle, all process driven, consistency driven, and I've learned those things from Lou, who's been to five cups. I learned from Jimmy, who's Jimmy Rutherford, that is, who's been to four, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, won three. Actually, he's been to five, sorry, and, and won three. No, four. He's won three, yeah. And, and listening to Jimmy and, and seeing Jimmy also be in a dual role as a GM slash president down in Carolina for all those years, 
seeing the amazing success he's had at Pittsburgh, but having played for him in, in Carolina, seeing a lot of that too. And I played against Jimmy Rutherford's teams going back to the OHL with him and Paul Maurice at the time with the Detroit Junior Wings that were owned by Mr. Carmanos. And then, uh, and then lastly, you know, Glenn Sather playing for him in New York and, and having a chance to get to know him personally, you know, spend some time at his place in Banff and uh, you know, how many cups has, has Slats been to? Six and, and won five of the Oilers, been to one with the Rangers and just the way he's treated people, being as innovative as he always has been, all three of them have been, but also all three of them have been very inclusive. And by that, I mean, if you look at those rosters of those teams over the years, they've had black players, French, Canadian players, Russian players, American players, you know, um, European players across every background. They've had players from every background as well. So when we talk a lot about inclusion and diversity and that stuff, these are some guys that have been champions in that for years before it was a corporate uh, social responsibility or initiative. So, you know, learning from those guys and, and Bill Torrey, the late Bill Torrey, when I first came in the league with the Panthers, the architect of the Islanders, who won four. Uh, learning from Brian Murray, the late Brian Murray. You know, I've learned a lot from these people. I wasn't just a player who played for them and, you know, looked at how sweet my mask and my pads were. I paid a lot of attention. So what what that's really led me to is uh, is a wealth of knowledge from the influences of them, but also my own journey in the game, the players I played with, uh, some of the people I played for, and you know the Hall of Famers I played with, and then doing this much media. Like I mean, you know, I'm on TV more than any hockey analyst in the world, and I get to see the game through an objective lens. And that's really helped. And here's the one thing that I, I'd leave with the uh, with USB and, and Punchy, but also with the listeners is it would have to be with an amazing ownership group yep. and the ownership group. And I've heard Lou say this numerous times we've had, and you could see what Lou's done along with Barry Trotz and their staff and transforming the Islanders in literally two years, guys, literally two seasons. And I'll tell you, let me take inside a story that's going to punctuate two stories. Okay. So number one, I'm at the garden last year and the Islanders are playing the, the Rangers and I get off the air, I think, at whatever time it was, 7.30. It was a rare early show for me. I'm like, okay, I'm heading to the garden. Let me race in through Lincoln Tunnel, get to the parking garage, race into the garden, and watch the game. Well, post-game, in all my years until this point, either playing for the Rangers, but more importantly, playing against them in this instance, I say that as a visiting team, I've never seen a team have a post-game buffet spread outside the wall of the visiting room at the garden, ever. <laughs> now, let hear me out. Ever. And as I'm standing there, I see the chicken breast out there. I see the salad out there. I see the chicken parm out there. I see the pasta. I see the rice, the broccoli, whatever else. And I'm like, wow. Who comes around the corner? Lou Lamorello. Lou. Kev, how you doing? Kev, how we doing? How we doing, Kev? I'm like, Lou, I love it. See, see the way we have it? See the way we have it set up? You know the way we do it, Kev. You know the way I do it. And I'm like, Lou, nobody does it like you, man. Now, 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 a lot of people are going to be wondering, like, okay, well, what does that have to do? Remember I told you hyper attention to detail? That's what I mean. Even though they're in Long Island, which is, you know, just back on the other side of New York and Metro New York here. Let's make sure our players are refueled. Let's make sure that, you know, they, they, they start their, their regeneration post-game. They get their nutrition. They get their hydration. And they'll be ready to go for tomorrow. And that's a Lou Lamorello thing, but that's also, you know, a sign of great ownership as well for trusting Lou and knowing 
that those are some of the details that make the difference between winning and losing right. and creating your players and your staff first class. So yeah. there's one example. And then uh, when I talk also about having great ownership, you know, when, when we played for the Devils with Lou uh, at running our ship, we would, uh, we would come in late night to the new, well, now Prudential Center when it was new, when it first opened, when we played. And listen to this, guys. We'd come in, say, 2 in the morning on a road trip. We'd get off the bus to get into our cars in the parking lot, the player parking lot. Who would be underneath the bus pulling bags? The great Larry Robinson. Right. Now, for, I, I hear some people, ah, I would never do that. I wouldn't do this. That's beneath me. I've been in the NHL for not even two seconds. They don't even have an NHLPA gift bag yet, some people. And the great Larry Robinson with 585 Stanley Cup rings, although I'm exaggerating, I can't lose. <laughs> I've lost count as to what it is now. Big Bird is under the bus pulling bags. Hey, yeah. boys, have yourself a great night, boys. And he's helping the trainers. Like, think of all the Stanley Cups he's won. Between the, between the great Montreal Canadiens teams, between the great Devils teams, and now he just won one with St. Louis last year again. I know. So those are, are takeaways for me. In, um, in kind of my approach to, to what that would look like and why it's so critical to have the right people and an ownership group that is fully committed to greatness and, and building a great organization, uh, not just in talk, but in allocation of resources, you know, creating the right mindset, treating people properly, people development, player development, and, and, and creating a winning culture and atmosphere that's inclusive and one that's a destination where people that are the best of the best in every role are going to want to come and work, not just for the players that want to come and play there, but you know, for attracting the best talent off the ice as much as on the ice as well. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you when my ship comes in, my friend, and I own my first NHL team, uh, I I've got your number on speed dial. So <laughs> that's the deal. And you should always Thank be you. watching Kevin weeks on the NHL network and follow Kevin on Twitter at Kevin weeks, my friend, a banner way to start the week. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us. That was tremendous. Thanks, Kevin. Anytime for USB. Thanks so much. And, uh, and Punchy, you guys know I'm always happy to jump on with you. So keep up the awesome work. You've had a lot of amazing guests and honored to, uh, honored to be on with you again and we look forward to doing it again down the line. Anytime. All right. Always a treat to catch up with Kevin Weeks. Uh, we do have hockey. Yes, Monday evening, maybe a finalist crowned maybe one Tuesday. In between, though, you should always be listening to the Athletic Podcast Universe, including our pal Craig Custance, on the full 60 at The Athletic every week. You should check out our comments section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app and rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. If you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic and you must know now we're a million and counting subscribers. What a great story. You should subscribe now and say, sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash two-man advantage, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. What a deal. And here's the deal with us. We'll be back tomorrow morning, Tuesday, for another edition of Two-Man Advantage. Thank you.